Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Hi, I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. We're at Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center, now located at the Healthy Pet Lifestyle Campus, uh, northwest of Chicago in McHenry, Illinois. Um, Dr. Carlson has been featured in many publications from Martha Stewart Living uh, to all the uh, other publications from Petco, Pet Coach, those kinds of things. So um, we have had about a 20-year career in holistic veterinary medicine and uh, just introducing that to uh, the rest of the world and our style and what Dr. Carlson does. Um, So we have a Facebook group for this. It's Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Had a little live show last night while we were hanging out waiting for dinner uh, to make. we were making salmon last night and it occurred to me that this would be something that would be really good for the cats to have. I've been making a big deal out of our cat dinners. So if you want to see what we're feeding everybody and how that works and what kind of supplementation we're using for the cats, they look really good. And they're doing really, really well with all of this program that we have going for them. So we uh, put that in our live last night on uh, Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. That's our Facebook group. So we have um, received this really cool sample and um, it's this no pull harness and it was really great. The harness is um, very padded. It's very nice quality. And we actually needed to use it really bad. We got a new dog. His name is Moose. It was his first day with us. And he, you know, had been living in the same home. He was like so nervous. And he just, you know, couldn't get it together, but he's huge. So using this no pull harness, we had him under control almost instantaneously. He like made a little stab at trying to run and then realized, okay, I've got this this harness situation. So it goes around the front of his um, body and then um, around his, it's like a surcingle. So around um, his chest and over his back. And you just put the leash on the back and this harness just, it was perfect. Like it got him under control immediately. It wasn't tight. It didn't pinch him. It didn't get around the trachea, mm-hmm. which always kind of bothers me when it's all around their neck, you know, like for the collar. Right, right. And it, it seems like the, the proper way to use a collar would be way up on what they call C1, which is up here on the neck. And if you see show dogs, they always have the lead mm-hmm. way up there. Most of the time, our pets, that collar is slipping down. So it's going to put pressure on the lower cervicals, uh, which I... In years past, uh, when overcorrection occurred, you, we've seen radiographs where you get uh, evidence of bone restructuring and things like that with too much oh, correction. Really? Yeah. Oh, really? So uh, proper, um, you know, the use of the harness is great because it uh, eliminates that completely and gets it up on the chest. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. So... Um, it works out really well with the harnesses and Bark Appeal, uh, the company, has a ton of them. Um, they have many different versions. We're bringing in Dean and Kim Robbins today. They're the owners of Bark Appeal. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> great, great. So how did you come up with all of these different harnesses? You have the no pole and you have some like mesh harnesses, which I think would be really nice in the warmer weather. Tell us a little bit about how you came up with these products. So we felt a need in um, the industry. So a little back on us, Kim and I were about 10 and a half years ago, we were in between jobs. I was actually selling pet products at a flea market. And um, okay. Kim was, had, had been making pet clothes and selling them at uh, like pet parks and uh, different places where, where people were oh, okay. What we did is, is kind of found a niche in the market. There were, there's, there was, when we started, there was a few other companies out there that had similar harnesses, but didn't offer the service and the quality. So we basically started this company with, with customer service in mind and a good quality product. So we basically started out by making phone calls and offering a solid 
quality product and in, in selling our customer service over anything in the beginning. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's good. So you've expanded your lines a little bit from the no-pull harness to what other products do you guys carry? Just to listen on that. We do our no-pull harness. We do our um, vet-recommended step-in harness. We've just launched a line of um, organic pet CBD. We have collars, leashes. We have plush pet toys with crinkle paper and squeakers. Oh, we've got of everything. <laughs> we've got a little bit of everything. We kind of want to be a one-stop shop. So sure, um, yeah, we've expanded. We initially started with um, the mesh harness, and then we've brought in other products since then. So, Oh, that's cool. I love the step-in harness. It's genius because you don't want to, you know, the harnesses prior to the step-in type harness were so hard to get your pet into. You had to wrestle with them, and, and sometimes the fitting was wasn't quite right, and the, mm-hmm. the pet would yeah. become uh, upset, you know, and things yeah. like that. So that's an awesome thing. Yeah, that's a really good thing. So when yeah. you were going through all of, you know, see, everybody seems to be getting into the CBD market. It just seems so um, almost cluttered now, very quickly too, um, as it's just come around in the last few years. Can you tell us a little bit about what you were looking to do and? how you were looking to do it in the CBD market? Yeah, in the beginning, you know, we had a lot of our customers asking us to bring in CBD. There's so many different choices. You know, it was, it's challenging finding a good, reliable company to bring it in from. So we actually met a gentleman who referred us over to, a manufacturing company, they, they, one of our important parts is we wanted it all organic. We wanted, um, we didn't want additives flavoring in it. We just wanted to offer a good solid CBD, um, that doesn't have THC in it, non GMO, no harsh chemicals, gluten free. Mm-hmm. And we were able to find that in this manufacturer. So we we brought it in about a year ago. We do a 250 milligram, a 500 milligram, and a thousand milligram CBD, okay. and the customers have just loved it. Um, it's worked really? wonders on several pets. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. So I think you guys said you had like um, a mini horse that it worked on really well. Yeah, you want to tell them about my, that, Kim? Yeah, my friend has a mini horse that was dragging his hoof. She said, and she's got some goats that were seemed to be in physical pain really? and um, she tried it and she just could not believe it. Her horse was no longer dragging his hoof. Um, he just was completely changed from it. The goats were doing great and it was just pretty remarkable. The, the testimonies that we get daily for customers that with um, their dogs that are aggressive, going to have to be put down or in so much mm-hmm. physical pain going to have to be put down. And they're calling me saying they no longer have to be euthanized, which is just, to me, is is the best part about it. So mm-hmm. um, the lives are being changed, and that it just is so amazing for us. Hmm. Wow, that's really cool. So can you just walk me through how you start a CBD line, and how did you, like, find your supplier and stuff? I was, there was a gentleman that that I met, um, my wife was doing a vendor event and he was working with this company for probably about a year. He was doing other um, CBD things and he recommended that um, we give this company a call and speak with, speak with his rep and, and get into it. And I didn't know a whole lot about CBD. I still don't know a ton about it. I refer back back to him quite often with, with questions for customers that I can't mm-hmm. answer. And mm-hmm. basically that's how it, that's how it started just from a referral, from a reference from somebody really? that had been, that had been that knew, knew um, how they operated. Oh, wow. That's really cool. So the farm you said is in Oregon where you get it. So it it's is. all made in the yeah, USA. Yeah. Oregon and um, yep, shipped down to most of the bottlings done in Florida and then shipped to us from there. Oh, really? Wow. That's really cool, you guys. It sounds like you're doing, I mean, you've done a lot of things to improve lives in 
in these ways that are actually really impactful for pet owners. So you've really put a focus yes. mm-hmm. on people's day-to-day life. Yeah, And I think that's what sets us apart from a lot of other companies out there. You know, we are family owned. We, we cater to the independence. Um, we take what our customers say and we run with it. You know, we've had several customers, you know, Hey, can you do this for us or look into doing, doing this, or can you, you know, there's, there's so many, so many other, um, we just really listen to what the customers say and take it into, um, into consideration. Mm-hmm. It's nice to be in, in a small and smaller type environment where you're in charge and you can make changes really quickly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So super helpful. So um, your entire line is available through independent pet stores. Yes. Independent pet stores. And there's a few online suppliers. Oh, okay. All right. Good, good. So Bark Appeal, uh, good company. You guys uh, seem to be checking all the boxes and putting all those crinkles in those toys. <laughs> the crinkle, the squeaker, and, and the, it's the crinkle, the squeaker, and what else? It's the crin- crinkle paper and squeaker. And, yeah, our customers asked for both, so we gave them both. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's a girl. <laughs> our dogs are going to go crazy when they when they get a taste of that. So it uh, just adds to the uh, fun, I think, right? <laughs> oh, Good. yes. Do you guys have pets? Oh, okay. yeah. We have Casper yeah. uh, <laughs> and Kyla. So we've got a dog and a cat. Oh, okay. All right. So you're getting practice every day, figuring out what to do next, right? Definitely. I'm a little R&D on yes. our film chats. <laughs> yeah. Good. All Absolutely. right. Well, good. I'm really glad you joined us today and glad to let, you know, everybody know about the good work you guys are doing. Um, and uh, we certainly appreciate it here. We're going to be stocking all those harnesses in our own pet store. And we've already been selling the CBD and that's going over really well. And I like the fact that it's a little bit of a softer CBD. So, um, Cats uh, are, you know, liking that as well, like their little chews mm-hmm. and stuff. So that's yeah. helpful because a lot of the CBD stuff is hard. Um, it's like a hard biscuit, and that's a little harder to get a cat to eat. It is. That's what we've heard. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, with oils, I mean, there are certain pets who will and won't mm-hmm. with an oil. So depending on the taste and the flavor and all that kind of stuff. So you kind of never know until you get it home. Is my cat even going to do this? Because, <laughs> you know, they can be slightly picky. So, yeah, good. All right. Well, I'm really glad you joined us today and let us know a little bit more about Bark Appeal. And hopefully everybody will be looking out for all your products. Well, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Take care. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, um, yeah, pretty cool. So can you just um, refresh us one more time on how, like, the CBD works? Well, CBD, the body has natural uh, endocannabinoids, which accept the CBD very well. So the body's already built in to respond to it. That's why it's such a standalone therapy. Okay. Um, and it can work immediately because, like I said, the body's already equipped to, to know what to do with it. Um, and it's natural. So the body knows exactly naturally how to manage that versus something synthetic that it uh, can be confused by. Okay. All right. Gotcha. All right. Um, so Lent has arrived and made dinner last night and I was, uh, you know, kind of looking at this thinking the cats are going to go crazy if I, you know, don't clean this all up right away. Or if I just leave it sitting on the counter (laughs) while we're all eating dinner, the cats are going to be jumping up there wanting to get to the salmon and to the shrimp. Uh, the shrimp was blackened, so they can't certainly have that. Mm. But, um, what was left over was the salmon skin. And I'm like, you know, I really hate to waste that because I feel like that's something the cats obviously would love to have. But then I was like, I don't know if they should have that. So what's the verdict on feeding salmon skin to your cats? Well, the good news is you can, you know, it's a good idea. Um, so it's not toxic to them. It's not unsafe, um, but it does have to be cooked. Um, the question is, you know, if you remove the skin ahead of time, could you give the raw skin to the kitties? And the answer is no, um, because of E. coli and salmonella. But uh, after it's cooked, um, you know, the some of the spices, 
usually don't drip in necessarily to the skin, but you have to be aware of the, the type of spicing that you're using because some of the cats can uh, get GI irritation from that. Plus it might be all over the, you know, I mean, I just do it right on the pan. So right. some of it might be all over the pan. So when right. you're taking it off, probably shouldn't get lemon pepper all over it. Yeah, the lemon pepper <laughs> spices. That's the favorite. Is, yeah. Yeah. But if you're uh, wanting to feed that, you know, set a little bit of a side. Uh, don't salt it, you know, don't um, just just cook it regularly in the pan without any seasoning at all and share that with them. You know, you can share the salmon. It's very good for them. Also the skin. And, uh, you know, a small amount is always best. Obviously, a large portion of, of the diet as that may cause some kitties to have some GI upset. Uh, so just a little bit, about 25 20 to 25% of the diet is acceptable. Yeah. Uh, if it's the first time, you know, try a little bit at first, you know, just a little small portion, see how they like it. And if it, if they're good to go, then the next time around, they can have a little bit more. Okay. So if you wanted to take it off beforehand and before you cooked it and just save the raw, what would you do then? Like, can you feed the raw salmon skin? It's, it's best not to, unless you can really source where it came from. Um, a lot of the salmon is raised commercially now. So, uh, you know, there can be some contaminants and stuff like that on the skin. So it's always best to uh, either cook it, lightly cook it or boil it to make sure it's cooked down just a little bit. Okay. So probably no raw salmon skin. Yeah. Best not to feed it raw. I mean, I'm pretty sure that was farm salmon that we had. And most of it is, um, you know, because uh, it's, it's much more commercially available um, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's easier to get in the stores for sure. So the potential contaminants in salmon skin that's raw would be salmonella, E. coli, and other harmful parasites. So I think there are like some worms and stuff in fish. Is that true? Yeah, yeah there can be. And then mercury is one of those things too. And some oh, of the, okay. the that's why the source of the fish is important uh, as well. But um, you don't want to th- necessarily feed it every day, just in case they're, they're, the potential for mercury uh, is there. They say no more than once a week. Uh, so it's not something you necessarily want to supplement every day, just in case. Oh, okay. And also um, salt uh, says uh, salt can cause dehydration, lead to spasm seizures, and worse over a s- sustained period. Um, so... I guess if you have salt all over that and you were going to like, if you salted it while it was on the baking sheet or something by cooking it with salt on top of the salmon, is that, can you feed it after that? Not a good idea. Uh, okay. Most of the time, well, cats diets are bland, so they really not much seasoning in there at all. Um, just what's naturally the natural sodium that's in the food is, is all that's necessary. So that's where you, you can set a little portion aside for them and just cook that by itself for the pets mm-hmm. uh, without any salt or pepper or se- other seasoning. Okay. All right. So separate, separate foods. Yeah. Separate okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, I hate to let it go to waste, especially since it's something that they could eat, but probably not every day and just once in a while. Yeah. And if you, if you had a, like most of the time, it's going to come in a large piece of skin underneath. Uh, you could cook it up for them. Okay. You know, you could separate it and then cook it separately and then put it in, freeze it in little portions. Okay. You know, for them, if you wanted to batch it out because, um, you know, otherwise you could waste it or it could get, become spoiled. Oh. So you okay. want to freeze it right yeah. away. Okay. Yeah. So I think you can actually buy salmon skin treats for cats. Mm. So that's also available to you if you think, you know, it might be questionable about feeding the cooked salmon skin at your house and probably avoiding the raw. But I mean, the raw, is it different if they just went out and caught a fish than it is if you feed raw salmon skin from the grocery store? What's the difference? Good point. I mean, feral cats will pretty much eat anything that Mm -hmm. they can get their hands on. Right. Uh, But our domestic cats are more sensitized to that because they're used to commercial diets. Okay. Uh, and you're right. If it's if it's in a natural setting, say if you caught a fish and you wanted to get some of the skin, you know it's it's naturally caught. It's going to be fresh, um, and it's less likely to be contaminated. Okay. Uh, but our domestic cats, it, it's surprising how many domestic cats, when you offer them raw after they've been on a commercial diet, is their GI flora 
is such that they won't eat it. They'll just turn their nose to it. Like yeah, our cats will. go crazy for it. Yeah. But some cats, you put it down for them and they, they'll turn their nose to it. And you think, well, wow, that's fresh food. But it's, it's really their gut flora has been trained from commercial diets early on when they were kitties. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's harder to transition them over to fresh food just because their gut says mm -hmm. no. You know, it's the, the microbiome in the gut is really communicating with the brain and telling the brain, what do I, what am I craving? What do I want? Really? Oh, that's so interesting. if we're going to retrain the gut or retrain the pet to eat more fresh, we have to retrain the gut first. Ew. How do you do that? Well, there's uh, prebiotics and probiotics uh, are the key along with small amounts. Uh, you know, you start from going from a commercial based cat food uh, and if it had grain in it, say you're feeding cat chow, for example, mm -hmm. you'd have to ease over to a grain-free and then ease over to something like Farmina, which is compressed raw food, and then move over to raw food. So you gently uh, get that Like bacteria. how long would that take? It how can take mo several months. months yeah. Oh, really? Okay. So it, is this causing nausea in a cat? Right. It does because it's, the mycobacteria have a, a pretty close connection to the, the hormones, uh, especially adrenal gland and the pancreas. Mm -hmm. uh, so if it doesn't like something, it'll send a signal back up to the brain to say, okay, we got to purge this. Something's not right. So that's why cats will vomit a lot, you know. Um, oh, really? Uh, naturally. So sometimes oh. the cats will vomit, you know, a couple times a month. Okay. Uh, if they're throwing up more often than that, there can be GI upset. So, when we are transitioning, it's important to watch uh, how they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's excess vomiting, probably going too fast. Or on the other end, if you're seeing a lot of softer stool in the litter box, mm -hmm. it means that we're, we're pushing a little too fast. Okay. So slow and steady. Slow and steady um, is going to uh, you know, result in, a, in good like, results. I mean, I know this is a weird question, but what do you feed them? What, what do cats want to eat that's raw? Like what is their, what would be their diet? Cause you just think they're going to eat fish and mice or something. <laughs> well, that's true. You know, birds, fish and mice, you know, birds and mice in this area, mostly. Yeah. Unless they're close to the river and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, cats usually aren't going to go out and fish for themselves. They're not going to put their foot in the water because they don't particularly like the water. Uh, so most of the time they're introduced to it, uh, for, uh, introduced to fish from people who fish and offer it to them. Oh, okay. um, or if they leave fish on the bank for some reason, there's a feral cat that's watching them. You know, they oh, can yeah, go they down probably and get are it. watching. Right, <laughs> they know where to get a meal. Right, for yeah. sure. And so, but most of the time, the mouse model is always the one we look at. Okay, okay. so uh, we think uh, the mouse is mostly meat. It's got a little bone, a little bit of fat. Okay, and very little grain. You know, so you know, it's a little mouse stomach wouldn't have much grain in it. Yeah. And uh, it's been said that the average feral cat may eat up to six mice a day, depending on, uh, you know, how much energy they're expelling. So uh, when we think about that model, well, what's going to be close to that? Well, beef is the closest, you know, commercially raised animal. Really? Rabbits there too, but we have to use- To the mouse? To the mouse, in terms <laughs> of how we get it fairly close to them. That's so weird. Yeah. Okay. And, and some, uh, you know, it seems like the leaner the cat, the, the more apt they might go to a bird as well. So chicken or poultry, uh, really? fowl, stuff like that. They may we be. do have a lean cat. We have mm -hmm. a really lean cat. He's really old. And yesterday, like, um, I forgot to tell you, we have some pigeons that live by our house. And of mm -hmm. course, I can't get rid of them. They have a home, right? So, um they were flying, you know, back and forth. And he was going from window to window, like he was going to get them. But he's always been a birder. Yeah. This very thin, lean cat that we have. He's very long as well. For sure. And the more muscly cat's going to be more hunting on the ground, where mm -hmm. a leaner cat's going to get up in the tree and make, maybe catch some birds mm -hmm. and stuff like that, too. But uh, so going from, you know, emul you know, building diets for cats. Mm -hmm. We have to think about their prey drive and what they would like to, what they would eat out in the wild and try to bring that more naturally into the home mm -hmm. for domestic foods. So uh, is this going to make like, you know, you've got those big, huge cats and chubby cats, fat, 
just downright fat cats because we've owned a few of those. Mm-hmm. So is this going to make that cat change like their composition of their body? Right. It, because it, the, the more natural the food, the, the more metabolic energy is required to break it down into energy. Mm-hmm. So we think about commercial dry foods. If the energy is widely available, you know, it, it doesn't take anything at all for them to digest and absorb that energy. And if they're living in the household, we're not expelling much energy. You're going to have that extra energy going to body mm-hmm. fat and so internal body fat is what's the most dangerous for us. Okay. All right. Well, we did make some changes to our cat's diets and we're going to just talk a little bit about the supplements that we've been using and um, it's really awakened our cats. Um, I am kind of surprised actually, because they all get a good diet. So these supplements have really supercharged our cats. They are feeling a lot better after that. We'll tell you what those supplements are. So we'll talk about that coming up. And then um, we're going to talk a little bit about the cold weather and you know, there's some common sense things, but some other uh, things that you should kind of think about uh, during cold weather. So we're going to discuss uh, some ways to keep your pet safe because the cold has taken in all sorts of people all across the country this week. Mm-hmm. And then also do dogs need vitamin D supplements? So people have a serious problem with this uh, over the winter months, especially. And we'll tell you what we think about whether or not dogs need them as well. Uh, that's coming up. We'll be back in just a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes. There is always something going on. Many times, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. If you are experiencing pain or loss, even something unexplained that is missing in your life, You'll want to tune into Go For It with host Joe Hausman. Joe and her guests will show you laughter and love. Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Get ready to go inside the lives of some of the top recording artists the music industry has known. Join host Troy Bronstein every week as he becomes a prince among queens. Troy discusses the careers and past, present, and future projects from these artists. And if there's time on each show, you just might hear some performance gems as well. Listen for Prince Among Queens every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Hi, thanks for joining us. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. We do have a Facebook group. Um, We have a lot of good members in here who can also help you out. We also provide some guidance for you from time to time. Um, and, uh, we did, you know, a live last night, we talked about essential oils a little bit and 
the kind of essential oils that you want to use when you have cats and dogs. So, um, you know, their sense of smell is so much better than a person. So if it smells good to you, that's probably way, way, way too much for your animals. So it could actually make them really uncomfortable. For sure. Okay. So um, Kathleen says essential oils terrify me. I almost killed my kitty a few years back. Um, so she says this in our, on our group page, uh, which you can join on Facebook, but I mean, that's really scary. It is uh, because essential oils, uh, we, you know, a lot of holistic remedies, um, are not FDA approved. So there's been no research to say, you know, what is the level that's required to make a pet sick Mm -hmm. or even potentially lethal to them. Okay. So, you know, so we can't tell how sensitive the pets are going to be to it. So when we're using essential oils, rule of thumb is always have a carrier oil. Uh, So for really like six drops, three to six drops of the regular oil. Okay. To almost two tablespoons of a carrier oil. So that's how much dilution we, we want. Uh, But then starting at a very small amount on the inside of the leg, uh, just like a drop to see, okay, is it going to cause any local irritation? Mm -hmm. If it does, if you apply it topically at full dose, you're probably going to see some sort of reaction to it. But We have um, kind of a resident expert in McHenry uh, where we live, Northwestern Chicago, and um, Lindsay Halpern-Gibbons, she uh, is like an expert in essential oils and crystals, I believe as well. And she says to use a hydrosol and you have to look for it. It's like really specific. So it's something you can get. um, If you Google it, look for a hydrosol of an essential oil. Mm -hmm. So that's what she says to use when, when you're, you know, testing that out, but like one drop is good enough for your whole house in a big diffuser. So just don't use a lot of it. So right. Hydrosols are really safe and much safer because it's what's separated out of the hydrosol and the essential oil is the oil. So you okay. get the essential oil off and you get the hydrosol left over and you can use that instead. And it's That has to be a lighter scent too. Yeah, it's a lighter scent. Um, and watered down. And watered down. Okay. So All it's right. more hydrolyzed. Uh, so it's going to be much more safer. All right. Carolyn. Uh, is asking a question today here live in the Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson group, which is on Facebook. She says, how can you calm down a cat? I have had him since mother left him and bottle fed him. He's about four years old now and he won't let you touch him and he bites. The vet says not to feed dry food because he may be diabetic, but he has no meds at this time. So this is, um, we, we sort of have this problem with the cat that we took in. He's uh, was born in a barn so he's like feral and we're working on him Mm -hmm. he's very young he's really cute his name is gumby and the thing about him is you know it might just be inborn in him i don't know if he'll ever really truly get over his little feral nature he's good for a long time and then he bites so kind of the same situation is this something that happens when you are bottle feeding a cat yeah bottle feeding is is probably almost guaranteed to create some behavior issues later on in kitties. Okay. Um, because it's important the first, you know, the first day they're born, they can't see, they can't hear, mm-hmm. they can feel mother and they can find the milk. So they have some level of taste. Um, the other senses come on two weeks later Mother cats are really downloading this data to them the whole time. So if they're with mom for eight weeks, she teaches them not only that they're a cat, mm-hmm. but how to interact in their environment. Now, if they're born in the wild, they learn how to be a wild cat. Mm-hmm. But if mother cat is born in domestic uh, situation, she's going to train that kitty to understand, okay, how to live to, with humans mm-hmm. and how to use a litter box and how to, you know, how to interact in the household. And so when they're weaned early or the mother dies or, or gets lost and we bottle feed them, we put the human imprint versus the mother cat imprint on them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they'll interact with us and become treat us more like another cat mm-hmm. and be aggressive to us. Or you might see other their behavior change, such as the, 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 uh, the, the clock suckling 
is mm-hmm. one of those common things. Making bread. Making bread. <laughs> um, Eating. Needing their little paws. And also aggression, sometimes the nipping and biting because they're they're really not sure how to interact with them. You know, we've raised a few litters of Persian kittens now. And you can see like the mother taking charge. So if things get a little out of control with the kitties, the mom will, you know, she'll discipline them in a way, in her own way. Like she'll flip them over and then start licking them or basically training them to stop doing naughty stuff. Mm-hmm, right. mm-hmm. And that continues through the whole eight to 10 weeks that they're with their mom. Yeah. And they really make well-balanced cats. Um, so what is she going to do now though? So she's got this cat and she saved it by bottle feeding it, which was a very good thing to do. Thank you for helping this kitten out. Mm-hmm. And at four years old, what's she going to do now? Well, the, you mentioned diet initially and going to a more natural diet is going to be the key because uh, the commercial food is, if we absorb too much energy, the kitty's going to act out that additional energy by uh, aggression or uh, kneading and clawing or running around mm-hmm. um, other activities. Uh, that that extra energy doesn't they don't know what to do with. So going to a natural diet would be step one. So something like Farmina, uh, weaning them gradually over to a diet like that. Okay, so this cat is going to need wet food because she said he could be diabetic. So any right. good, good quality wet food would be fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was thinking for this cat, um, this calm down kitty CBD. Mm-hmm. So we uh, just kind of like revamped everyone's diet at our house and uh, we're using a lot of supplementation and this new one that we have is called calm down kitty. It's called uh, from meow biotics and it's a little CBD comes with a little scoop and you just stick it on there. Is that, something that might help you bet the the, uh the supplements are really important and uh especially with something that has catnip in it um also there's other like supplements like b12 for example can be calming uh so those additional supplementations are important also probiotics are really important to help Mm -hmm. for kitties as well i mean we've gone into we have kitty bloom that we give every day we have the kitty bloom product gluco plus now um we have um the turkey and cranberry kitty pee freely is the name of it. It's really funny, but it really does work. So our cat that was peeing all over the house, the older one, like he's up and he's jumping and he's rambunctious again. His coat is beautiful. And we also drizzle a little bit of our Riverside brand omega-3 oils on there too. So um, all of that combined, all of our cats are looking really, really good these days. Is there anything medically going on with Carolyn's cat that, she should have looked at besides a possible diabetes. Would that be enough to make them crabby? The, the diabetes would for sure. Um, if they also have an upper GI issue uh, called cholestasis, in which the gallbladder is congested, mm-hmm. could also uh, affect the behavior as well. And the liver, uh, pretty young cat to have a liver disease, but at the same time, the gallbladder is connected to it. So if the gallbladder is being interrupted, it's going to reflect back on the liver and cause some behavior problems too, especially aggression. Uh, It seems like aggression is always related to the liver in some way. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, we've gotten this question before and you've actually run um, SRTs on Mm -hmm. these. So this custom holistic test that we do here, um, we've done literally tens of thousands of them, helped a lot of animals with our custom holistic test. Describe how, you know, like you've had other other pets like this, can you tell us just a little bit about how the SRT readings come out with an aggressive cat and then how you help them from there? Well, some of these things, uh, this information could get downloaded neg- negatively in the body. So that's what the SRT test can, can run the meridians to see if there's resistance. Uh, if there's emotional resistance, if there's organ resistance, if they have an allergy, uh, this is all going to come up. And if it causes chronic stress or even acute stress, it's going to affect the behavior of the pet because this is the information that's in the motor plan, the liver plan, the kidney plan, Mm -hmm. as the body is trying, the brain really is trying to direct everything uh, from what the intention is Mm -hmm. to transferring this to the mind. And then the mind puts in the data into the body and says, okay, this is what the situation is. So, if that's chronic stress, that information getting downloaded incorrectly and can cause a weakened performance okay. in that 
it, whether it's a muscle, the liver, kidney, blood flow, lymphatics. Okay. Um, how does the SRT, just real briefly, how does that work? Well, once if we can take a, a hair sample, mm-hmm. uh, it's biologically active, mm-hmm. and we can measure weakness with the machine, the SRT machine. Energy in versus energy out? Energy in versus energy out. And so at the, the end of the, the test results there, we can actually calibrate and we use hemp oil, but you can calibrate a, a lot of things. Uh, but hemp oil is three drops a day can make the corrections almost immediately to rebalance that inflammation. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that the pet's going to get immediately better, but it's going to prove the odds of recovery over time. Okay. All right. And then also, if you guys were considering trying the raw feeding with your pets, um, I came across this really cool website called perfectlyrawsome.com. So rawsome would be like awesome with an R. Um, so perfectlyrawsome.com. They have a raw feeding calculator for cats and dogs. It's the prey model raw and biologically appropriate raw foods is what they're promoting on this website. So um, the prey model raw and biologically appropriate raw foods like may or may not be your thing. So just something to think about if you want to, you guys want to look into those. It's like feeding like whole animals and that kind of thing to uh, your dogs and cats. So, I mean, it is, it is what it is. Um, it's for some people, not for others. Some people just, you know, would go to the grocery store and do the raw. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fine too. Um, anyway, if you are questioning like, what am I going to do? How does this actually work? Go to this perfectlyrawsome.com raw feeding calculator for cats and dogs. I think it answers a lot of questions and how much food you're actually supposed to be giving your animal. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, I think that's, it's the number one question probably anyway. We get a lot. What am I supposed to be feeding and how much? Yeah, because they, If you're feeding a conventional diet, that's actually on the bag. Um, so just follow the directions on the bag. It says so, and it's been researched. Um, many times to be able to get on the market and be um, a conventional pet food. Um, conventional pet foods are fine too. So we're not saying you can only feed raw or anything like that. Um, but it does have a feeding guide. So I think a lot of people just like miss that. So something to look at. Yeah. It, and you made a great point because uh, commercial food, you got kilocalories per cup. You can measure so many cups um, using a formula. Uh, either using the bags range or you can use the kilograms times 30 plus 70 gives you kilocalories required. <laughs> so a little math in the morning. No, thanks. <laughs> but, I'll let you uh, figure out the math. That's fine. My- but the raw food is, is different because you can't, you can't say how many cup of raw food is equal to so many kilocalories. So we're using uh, on average 2% to 3% of the body weight twice a day. Okay. All right. right. Well, that's actually probably an easier thing to think of. Yeah. Yeah. You come up with. All right. So um, the winter weather has taken hold across the country. It's gone all the way into Texas. It's absolutely been a nightmare this week for so many people. Um, And, you know, you think winter weather, my dog, you know, some dogs like love this weather, especially Mm -hmm. if they're a husky or something like that. Um, So some dogs are really into it and some dogs are not. Um, And there are a few things you can do to keep your dog safe. So one of the first things that you should be doing and something that we've become big proponents of is just grooming. It's just like so basic. And I think a lot of people just kind of forget that extra step every day of just, you know, putting a brush through your dog. But if they're going outside, they need to naturally insulate themselves. And how do they do that? Well, they do that with in the wintertime. There's actually, most dogs have two layers. A husky will have a three-layer coat, for example. Oh, okay. So you get the coarse outer coat. Mm-hmm. You get the, uh, and the underlying coat is the warmer coat that's regulated by day length. Now, it's, it's harder to see in, in the short-coated breeds like your, your bulldogs, for example, but they still do it. Oh, they you do? Know, they just need more muscle to keep themselves warm versus you know, border collie like Brandy. Okay. But uh, looking at that coat is really important. If they've developed a good secondary layer for the winter time, they're probably healthy and well equipped to be outside. We do have to monitor how long they're outside. Obviously, when the colder the weather, the, the, the more hard it is on them. But proper grooming, especially the paws, we think, well, if they have fur on their feet, that's probably a good idea, but not necessarily because they're going to get snow and ice in there. Mm-hmm. And that can pack against the skin and cause frostbite. 
and you can get a foot infection or a pad infection yeah. without even knowing it. I mean, even Benjo was limping. Our dog was limping the other day from yeah. something like that. So, yeah. and I'm sorry, can't talk today. Um, one of our dogs actually got cut on the ice and you can even see it. It was just like on top of the snow and it had, I think, had some freezing rain or something. Mm-hmm. Couldn't actually even see that there was ice there. And she had a horrible cut from yeah. that one time. So paw care is important. You should be looking in there. You can get paw balms and stuff, which really do help as well. Um, should you go outside when the sun shines? The sunshine is always good in the wintertime because they love to sun themselves. It feels warm. Um, depending on the, the outdoor temperature, though, if it's sun is shining and it's too below, mm-hmm. obviously, just a few minutes outside is all that's required. Uh, but they do like the sun. They like It feels good to them. It feels warm. Uh, the question is, do they get vitamin D from the sun? Probably a little bit, but not like we do. How does vitamin D work then? Well, pets get it through their diet and we get it, um, a lot of ours through sun exposure to the skin. Oh, okay. So the kidney is actually the regulator for vitamin D and in, in using it. Oh. Um, so we can take vitamin D supplementation in the winter when it's... Does your dog need it then? Not, they... They get most of theirs through the diet, um, so they're not necessarily need that extra supplementation like we do. Okay. So they'll get it through the nutrition. But if you were making a raw diet, you'd have to be sure that it had vitamin D yeah, and all the other vitamins. Right. Micro minerals are the most important part of the diet. Okay. Got to get those trace minerals in there and the vitamins required. All right. Um, so also, uh, one thing I've noticed, well, let me just ask this question. Why do they all sit and sunbathe? Like if you open the door, everybody's on the couch or if you open the curtains, everybody's on the couch or on the bed sunbathing or in the window wells, everything, the cats especially, but the dogs do it too. Well, they, they, it feels really good for one thing. And uh, it warms up the joints. Uh, it warms up the fur, warms up the surface of the skin. Uh, so they do get warmth from that. And like I mentioned, they'll get a little vitamin D production from that too, but mostly for the warmth. Okay. All right. Um, protecting your dog from heaters. We have a lot of space heaters in our house. It's freezing in there. It's like a barn. And um, I've noticed that some of them want to lay really close to that, but that can't be good. No, the danger is that if they, you know, if you like ours in here, you can put your hand about six to inches to a foot away and you can feel a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're laying there awake and just lounging, they'll recognize the heat. But if they fall asleep, that could cause a nasty burn. Oh, okay. All right. I noticed that Chucky, Chucky is our Persian kitten. Um, we love him so much. He's mm-hmm. so sweet. He's almost a year old now. But uh, so he's not the baby anymore, but pretty close. So <laughs> I noticed um, when we were picking up his hair the other day, his hair is, his coat is six inches long the last time we measured it. So all over this little tiny cat is this huge six inch long coat. So when we picked it up and he's regularly groomed every two weeks, he's brushed all the time, but he had a lot of like flaking and dry skin, that kind of thing. So that's one of the reasons we kind of had to revamp everybody's diet to make sure that everybody had like what they needed. So, you know, the omega threes and all the vitamins and all of that stuff. But um, like, I'm sure this has something to do with winter weather. Definitely. And you know, the, it's important to check the coats at least four times a year during the change of season because wintertime things dry out. They, they honestly, uh, pets probably don't drink as much water as they should. Uh, they probably require more water in the wintertime than they do in the summer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the availability of the water is always there, but they don't always feel like drinking it. And so dry skin, number one, could be hydration. Two is a is you know the essential fatty acids, omega six and three fatty acids. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're less active, they may not be eating as much and getting that energy in. So supplementation in wintertime uh, may be necessary, but all year long they may need something. You know, like what about a cat's coat though? I mean, do you want to put something on the coat or is it internal supplementation? Well, it's better to go internal because. It, unless they have a super short coat, which most of the time they don't. Uh, but if you take a hairless cat, you can do more topical therapy with them. Mm-hmm. But a cat like Chucky, it has six inches of hair around him. It's not easy to get that product. You can almost not part the hair. It's so thick. Right. Yeah. He has 
um, he has a massive. So going internally <laughs> with him would be would be best because then he can absorb it that way. Oh, but, okay. Um, and then, like when you're bathing a cat like that, I know not everybody's cats like bathing, and ours actually Chucky bit Avery pretty hard. <laughs> he yeah, they just a don't pretty like awful yeah. bite um, from Chucky, and some of the other cats don't aren't into it either. But he does need a regular bath with that much hair. Yeah, because especially down on the skin, they can get uh, an oil buildup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that oily Persians buildup. are greasy. They are. Mm-hmm. And they they get stinky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just like anybody else would if they had that too. Um, one of the other things um, that's interesting that was brought up, um, you got to watch like where you're sending your dog out to play. If you're off leash, you got to remember that you could end up running for a mile after your dog. <laughs> um, this happened to us. Uh, one of the ponies got out. We had some mini horses um, on our farm and um, junior and cricket took off on us. Um, and it was like below zero outside and it was awful. Um, they got, they can figure out ways to get out that your Houdini couldn't figure out, I think, but uh, same goes with your dog. So just be careful about where they're going. Um, we live in an area where there are a lot of like, ponds and lakes and streams and every year somebody's dog goes missing and every year they always unfortunately find them in an unfortunate spot yeah exposures really uh, can be a problem especially if they get away in the cold weather because there's not a lot of resources we think dogs have a a heavy coat um, but they're going to survive on their own and it's just not always how it's going to work no they just don't have the instinct for one and you know two is if they get wet uh, they get extremely cold fast and oh, they, they can do. get hy- you know, hyperthermia oh, really? pretty quickly. So how long, if it's like sub-zero or around zero, how long should you be outside with your dog? Well, as long as you can tolerate it, they can tolerate it. But below zero weather, they say, you know, after two minutes, your skin can freeze. Mm-hmm. Now, we're bundled up, so we're probably more protected than they are. Mm-hmm. Unless you put boots on their feet and you got a coat on them. Uh, you know, a limited amount of time. That's why it was such an issue this winter when it got really cold is a lot of pets had to stay indoors for for long periods of time. Yeah, so not good. All right, well, we are so glad you joined us today and um, thank you so much. You can reach out to us at our Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson group that is on Facebook and we'll see you next time. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend.